And I appreciate it. I only had one profile, just full disclosure. Um, but And I'm retired. But, like, I feel like my biggest lessons in life come from fighting. All right, all right, all right. Pay attention. We're going to teach you something real special. Real special today. This is two coins. Two coins. Two coins. With my boy Wally. Wally. Then Ronnie. Then Ronnie. Wherever you're at, we're at. Showing two sides of the same coin. Let me know what y'all think. Two coins. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter today. And welcome back to the Two Coin Podcast. It's your boy Ronnie. And I'm Wally, the other side of the coin. Today's episode is brought to you by Brotherhood. No. Fuck it. Brotherhood it <laughs> hey, is. Hey, we're not we're not shouting out brands that we're not getting paid by anymore. That we're just gonna shout out a different theme as sponsorship for when we start until we actually get somewhere. Nah, for <laughs> real. Like literally they got a bunch of free free advertisements yeah. last year, the year before we're not doing that no more. No more samples, no samples. At all. Can't afford to get hit with like a random lawsuit. Man. So this would this episode we got a very special guest, you know what I mean, a friend of mine for a long time. Hell yeah. We got Howdy. the one and only Don. I'm gonna let you go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey guys, what's going on, man? Uh Don Bailey. Uh kind of like a a weird, interesting traveler that's wound up here in San Jose years ago. Everybody kinda of held me together. And now we're here, man. We're just progressing and trying to do a couple things, uh business wise and just connecting, trying to spread love wherever I go. Easy. Peace, peace. Welcome, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having sure. me, as always. I appreciate this, guys. Hell yeah, bro. Nah, hell yeah. It's thank you, thank you. Hey, go ahead and move that just a little bit up to you. Yeah. Once you're on the podcast, once, the door's always open. Well, I'll be the guy on the couch then. Hell yeah, bro. Yeah, so, uh, going off of what you just said, you know what I mean? You're just a traveler, been around different places. Mm-hmm. Where does Don's origin story, like, where did it all start at? Oh, man. Um, I was born in New York. I uh, grew up in New York in Queens in Flushing, a uh, small town. Um, between like Casina and Jamaica, you know, everybody shouts out Jamaica, Queens and stuff like that. That was down the hill. So I uh, went to school. We um, decided that it was getting a little rough. It was the 80s. So yeah. 80s is real. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, we moved out of New York, uh, moved down to Virginia. Um, we set up down there in Virginia Beach, uh, Chesapeake area. Okay. Uh, a lot quieter, more suburban. Salute to the clips. Push a T. <laughs> Shout out. You know, obviously we know him. You know, that's I don't want to cut you off. I don't want to cut off your story. So, but like, I just want to tell the people the first time I met this dude, uh, I was at uh, SP2 where they both work. We were just kicking it, chopping it up. And Ronnie gets me an introduction and he's like, hey, you know, he actually grew up in the same neighborhood as Pusha T. And me being a big Pusha T Clips fan, knowing they're from Virginia Beach, I'm like, dude, bro, how are they like growing up? <laughs> that shit, but no, it's just sidebar. I, I still feel bad about that. That's all Ronnie's fault. I dead ass believed y'all. <laughs> Literally, I remember I ran over to Don. I'm like, hey, bro, that's my boy. He's a huge fan. Just uh, tell him that uh, you grew up with uh, Pusha T in the Clips. The <laughs> fucking asshole. <laughs> The funny part of the story is that, like, the reason why Ronnie had me do that is because before he probably doesn't remember this, but like, when I was I went to high school in this place called Chesapeake, and then when after high school, there's nothing going on in Chesapeake. Yeah. So the next biggest town is Virginia Beach, basically at yeah, the time, and there's other towns, Norfolk. Shout out seven cities. But um, so when I was living in Virginia Beach, I was working at Gold's Gym, and uh, Terrence Terrence is push Terrence is pushing T. I mean Malice, excuse me. So I see Malice all the time. So like, it was ironic because he come in at six o'clock in the morning, I was a newer manager, so I would see him. So I actually did like run into him and do so hella cool that he'd just be around town. So like, I go to the bodega and he'd pull up at the bodega in his in his Porsche. Yeah. And like, I'd see him at the grocery store by himself chilling. So, but That's I dope. never met Terrence though. Yeah. So like, I, I never met Terrence. And Terrence was closer in age than me, but like I ran into 
you know, Malice way more. Yeah, time. Malice was the older brother in the clips. Yeah. It would make sense that he'd be the dude going to the gym at six a.m. and not <laughs> push a T. Yeah, <laughs> fact, especially back then, like, yeah, yeah. I like, like T was getting on some. Like, I think that was like the big transition for him as far as like career wise. Like after that point, like he was playing around with it, and then I think he just hit a different gear, yeah. and then he just decided that like he's that dude and he wanted to carry the torch. I think Malice was kind of fading because he wasn't sure if he wanted to stay, yeah, you know, secular or not. He got he got more into like his uh, religious religious side, which makes sense. Which phased him out of hip hop. He's like, I can't be talking about all yep. the shit that I've been talking about. And then Pusha T was like, Shit, shit, I can't. Yeah, <laughs> and I think at that point Pusha T was like, Well, I'll just absorb your talents and just be this dude for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. So it was kind of interesting time. But yeah. So Ron, uh, what 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 time frame is this? Just to get it. Um. So let's see. I grew up in New York. Uh, New York. I left New York in '92. So that was um. That was when I moved to Virginia. Virginia was from 92 to 2008. I graduated. Uh, I went to a military academy um, up in Newport, Rhode Island. Went to the Coast Guard Academy. Went to Naval Academy Prep School before that. So it's 99 to 2000. Got kicked out. Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> in uh, 2000. And I uh, came home uh, back to Chesapeake, Virginia, Virginia Beach area. Okay. Um, dad passed. We moved around a little bit, but mostly stayed around. Moved to D.C. Obama years, good years. Okay, I love those Obama years. Yeah, salute to the DMV too. By the way, we got a lot of. Uh, I don't know if you know, we got a lot of like watchers from the DMV area. Oh, that's true, man. So, salute to my people in DMV. DMV stand up. You know, I was there on Seventh Street, right across the street from the Hooters. You know, RFD <laughs> represent doesn't exist anymore, but City Center kind of killed all that street down. But um, I was there during the Obama years, so like '09 to. 2013, back to Virginia Beach, and then after Virginia Beach, I decided to move out here. So That's then we, then I kept the pushing. So like I came out here 2018 ish. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. Okay. So not pretty recently actually. Yeah, relatively, yeah. man. So you spent a lot of time on the East Coast, bro. Like anybody who spends a good chunk of time outside of California, I always like to ask them like, how do you compare California and just the West Coast versus like what you saw like on the East Coast in the DMV area? Because I know it's a whole different like. Because I, I used to live in, in, in Newark, New Jersey. That's oh, where I, you know I what grew it is. Up. Yeah. I moved here to Monterey when I was 10 years old. Like, gotcha. I'm 27 now. Mm-hmm. So I would consider this home. Right. But, like, I still, like, have enough, like, memory to remember what, like, Harlem and Newark were like. Right. Versus when I came to the West Coast, all the way West, and it's just, like, completely different. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think it's um it's good and bad on both sides. Yeah. Um, It's just differences. Like, we were talking about that earlier today. Um, um What? It's just hard differences. It's like, and it's it's condition based. Like, on the East Coast, the ethos is different. Everybody tries to squad with their family, keep everybody safe. That's where the mentality is coming from. So, like, if you're an outsider, I don't trust you because I don't know you, yeah. and I want to make sure my family's safe. So I'm not accepting to you until you kind of earn your way in and work that way. And then when I see you're a credible person, I know that you. I can bring you around my family. Then you get everything. Yeah. Once I once you gain the trust, I give you everything, and that's why we take. Uh, distrust so badly because we already gave you everything because we you built that and yeah, now you yeah. ruined it. I feel like out here overall everybody wants to hang out and everybody has good vibes because I feel like just to get out here creatively, even the migration from east to west, there was the adventurers. It was the people that were risk takers. It was the people that had a higher calling. They didn't necessarily knew what it was, but they decided to check out what this gold rush could get from them and how they can matriculate from that. Mm-hmm. So like that's what you're descendants of. You're descendants of, you know, travelers, explorers, people that want something better. Yeah. 
California, yeah. essentially, yeah. like, even if, like, the people that have been here for, like, a couple generations, it's still kind of like a transplant area. Like, people yeah. moved here from, like, somewhere else and yeah. started setting up roots. So, like, uh, that goes back to, like, what people say about, like, you know, people on the West Coast are chiller versus on the East Coast. They're right. a little more, uh, you know, hard nose, yeah. so to speak, you know, subway, subway motherfuckers. So, it's, yeah. like, <laughs> that's kind of where that comes from. I think that's a good... Uh, root cause analysis yeah <laughs> it's weird man because like everybody's like on you know i, I talked to even down south they, they yeah. treat people from up north the same way they're like oh everybody's rude i'm like think about it like this let's reframe this right if you're living in a 24-hour city say that you're you clean office buildings pretty common pretty easy job yeah. yeah you're probably gonna be there when they're not working so that's off hours so that means that between the hours of say three o'clock in the morning and eight o'clock in the morning you're at work so you have to get there by you leave your house at 1 30 get there by two Deal with all this stuff. So at any given time, someone could be on their way to work, on their way to something that's being busy, and you're slowing them down from that. Yeah. Because you're a tourist or you're just somebody that, want, dude, I got somewhere to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, like, if you catch a New Yorker on off-peak when they're not rushing, they're not calling the hustle bustle, you probably get one of the most well-rounded, eclectic conversations with yeah. no obligation of another conversation. It's just like, peace. Yeah. It's always context, bro. Like yeah. It's context. Yeah. It really is, man. So, like, it gets a bum rap, but, like, for sure I get where the rap comes from as far as that goes, yeah. you know? But it's an interesting mix. But, yeah, I think that's the biggest difference. And then, like, out here, you guys want to connect with people because that's your main motivation. I think on the East Coast, people want to connect with people that are going to be, you know, in a bad way, a way to progress their career, or in a good way, people that they see likenesses in mm -hmm. and they rally around. So I think the the cause and effect is a little bit different. Damn. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, kind of going back, you said uh, you was uh, you did different military branches. Like, were you in the branches, or did you just go to like uh, the, like the schools for it? I went to. I was going through. Yeah, that's a good clarification point. I never admit I have a DD two fourteen, but um, I went to a military school, so I never achieved the rank technically. Gotcha. So I was just doing the schooling part, and then after graduation, then I would have been able to. Go to that branch, gotcha, lead, be an ensign in the Coast Guard. How many years did you do, uh, do the school? Uh, I graduated from the prep school in order to get into the academy, and then I wasn't. I didn't make it through the academy. Gotcha. So gotcha. like the attrition rate is dumb high at all the academies, yeah, but yeah. that one in particular, the Coast Guard Academy, is the only academy that you can't use a congressional recommendation to get in. You have to get in on your own merit. Gotcha, gotcha, so gotcha, like gotcha. other service academies, you have to get a recommendation from like a service member, or a congressman, a senator. Like that doesn't matter at the Coast Guard. At least at the time I was gone. Gotcha. I'm not sure exactly sure how it works down. No. Okay, okay. Yeah, but it's a unique thing. But it was it was a good experience. Uh, you know, good and bads, and just the level of um, dedication to everything. You know, academies are hard because you have to do academics, scholastic, military. And keep your sanity yeah. <laughs> on a limited time period. So it's you know some people make it, some people don't. Were you in a co-ed uh, academy or? Yes, co-ed academy. It's men and women. Yeah, the numbers obviously skew depending on this the academy. Like the Merchant Marine Academy is a small academy, Coast Guard Academy is a small academy. Everybody thinks the Naval Academy, yeah, the um, yeah. uh, West Point gotcha. Army. Okay, okay, so okay. that's the bigger ones. I feel it. Yeah. So then with all that, like um, you know, I mean, I know like. You got a passion, like your passion as far as like when it comes to like the sports, it's combat sports, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What, like around what time did you first end up getting into that? And then also when did you know like, damn, I'm actually good at this? Well, I mean, I think it depends on the level of what you're trying to do. I think that like when I when I was coming up to answer the first part of it, um, 
I was always, you know, growing up in the 80s, it's kung fu theater, you know, it's Bruce Lee. Yeah. It's like, you know, you wake up Saturday morning, you're inundated with it. And, you know, you, it's interesting because, I mean, I think there's only a couple types of dudes, you know, you could be a wrestler, you could be a ninja, or you can be like a pirate. Yeah. You know, and I always wanted to be a ninja, you know. So, like, <laughs> you kind of gravitate toward that stuff. So, um, I always wanted to take judo, but, like, my folks didn't have the money for it. We didn't have the time. They weren't interested in that. So um, when I became adult and started making my own money, I started doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu in like uh, I think that was oh three oh four, and then um, I matriculated with that for a couple of years, and I got to the point where all the people I was training with were fighting, so I was doing pretty okay with that. So as my friend actually classically knocked out, uh, shout out Brandon Stewart. He doesn't fight anymore, but like for sure the reason why I started fighting. I saw him knock this dude out after I sparred with him and he used the same thing on me and I counted it. Damn, but he knocked somebody out with it. And I was like, well, if I can survive with this dude that's knocking people out with the same stuff, yeah. like maybe I'd try it, you yeah. know? And like my path wasn't really for like fame. I just, interestingly enough, I just wanted the stereotypes. Like I was like, oh, it'd be cool to come to ringside and someone announce my name and I come to ringside like it's W, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like you get that kid gotcha, factor, gotcha. you know? Yeah, yeah. So like I, I was like, that's cool. And then that happened. And then I was like, all right, cool. It'd be cool if uh, there was a smoke machine and you came out from behind the smoke and, you know what I'm saying? That'd be a rad moment. Like, I've, I've always, like, shot for the moments, like, the snapshots. Like, I feel like in life, like, we miss out on so much stuff, but, like, and we set goals that may or may not vibrate with us at the time. But if you can hit these moments, then you can, you know, package them up and keep them forever, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was kind of shooting for with that. So I got the smoke machine, got my name announced, got a little article. That's so lit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so you start building steam a little yeah. bit. And then, you know, at the time, we, like, we were a very small fight team. So, like, but, like, everybody was holding weight. Like, there were smaller dudes on my team. It's only, like, three or four of us. But, like, we started doing well in our area. So, I mean, I always looked at it like a sport. I didn't really look at it like, like a fight. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's like... I'm fighting in the sport, but like I'm not trying. Like you didn't do nothing to my mother. Yeah, I don't have any yeah, ill yeah. will towards you. It's just the end result of doing well at this thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah. So I mean, you know? what I mean, around what year was this when you actually? Um, played? I started fighting. I started training in '04. I fought '06 to '09, and then we did. I did some boxing in there, but mostly MMA. I had about like six or seven boxing matches. It's funny that you mentioned that. Like you looked at it as a sport, not a fight. I feel like. Because around that time frame was before kind of like the UFC got popular, right? It was like, it was like kind of like we were running like very similar to it. So yeah. like, I think like around that time was the big Anderson Silver run. If you know anything about MMA, yeah. like yeah, yeah, yeah. that was like, I think the nostalgic, like Ultimate Fighter was popping at that time. So people were getting into it there. They saw guys like Anderson Silver, Rich Franklin, Matt Hughes. It was like, it's kind of like hip hop. It like turned the corner from the Curtis Blows and the... And the you know cool herks, yeah, and it started going days. to like yeah. the early days, the Jam Master Jays. The, it started evolving a little bit. But I say that to say because yeah. like um, I think around that time frame, I don't think like the UFC was as popular as it is like today. Oh, not even. And close. I think a lot of the 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 reason why people like more people are seeing it the same way you are as like just a sport and not like an actual like physical fight. There was more of a stigma around the yeah. whole like concept of it being a league and like people sitting down and watching like fights on TV. There was yeah. a stigma around that at the time. Whereas now the UFC guy and got more popular and they're like training people's brains. Right. To kind it's of programmed. sit down and like treat it like the NBA, NFL, yeah. like any yeah. other sport, which it, it's what it is. It's a con combat sport because you really break it down, bro. Like human beings, like 
biologically and like evolutionary speaking, mm-hmm. like we are like competitive people, right? Yeah, yeah. And all these sports that we're playing now, it's all based on the old school mentality of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but the combat sport of fighting was like the very first oh, iteration yeah. of that. For sure. You know what I mean? It's, the, it's literally modern sure. day gladiator fighting. Yeah, yeah. So For sure. It's dope to me. No, it, it's, and you know, I think that like, especially during that time frame, like you said, it was definitely earlier days where it's more closed off and more less forward thinking about what was happening in the actual competition aspect of things yeah. and not the the gore. But like at the same time, like it was, I was happy that it was closing the gate on things like uh, the underground fighting. Like I've been approached to underground fight at that time, you know, and a lot of my friends were at that time. But like, you know, we heard stories of, you know, underground fights in California, even from the East Coast, yeah. you know, and where to go and things like that. But like, I'm glad that everybody treated it like a like more like professionally and they wanted to ascend in a better way, more organized way, yeah. instead of falling into that kind of backwoods, that lesser yeah. harmful thing. Because I don't think everybody really remembers that these are real people. These yeah. are real, you know, these are brothers, sisters, parents, mothers that are in this ring that people are screaming for their heads and screaming for blood. But these are real people outside this cage or ring, you know, and, Facts. and yeah. people forget about that side of it, you know? Facts. Yeah. How big you think the learning curve was for you as far as like from when you first started to when you really got like hang of it? Oh man, I think <laughs> it's the gift and the curse, man. It's like, I think it's very steep. Like, I mean, from the moment I stepped in the mats in like 04 and I remember I just was getting bodied. And I think that was always the intru- <laughs> That's always the, I mean, I think anyone that doesn't say they start something new, especially if it's a physical task, and yeah, they, yeah. they never talk about how they were handled, yeah, are yeah. just either liars or narcissists. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, how can you not? You don't start out the womb knowing how to fight and do techniques. Like, you're going to suck. That's not, that, yeah, that's not just yeah. for fighting anything that you try that's brand new yeah. and a brand new experience out of your comfort zone. You're going to take an ass beating, whether it's a literal ass beating yeah. or oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. life is going to beat your ass through yeah, it. Yeah, man. So, I mean, yeah. like, I, I thought that was the most intriguing part of it. It's just like why I started, I started playing rugby when I was in the academy. It's like one of my least favorite people that was in charge of us was on the rugby team. So I had a chance to hit him. And I would get away with it. Yeah. And that's the only reason why I started playing rugby. Yeah. And then it just maturated. You know, I felt I was very intrigued with the fact that I can do this thing. And there, my coach was smaller than me. He was like a buck fifty. And at that time, I had been coming down. So I was at least like 225, 230. Damn and this dude was like, you know, and I'm talking about just like handling me. Like, with no, like just like stunning. Like, ah, ah, ah. And it was no big deal. And it was like, and then he had like... Then he was our coach, and then we spent more time, and then you see who his friends are, and their animals too, and you see him get body, and you're like, wait a minute. There's levels to this. There's levels to this? It all starts here, the mentality. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So then, you know, you just keep getting into it, but I mean, like, now, you know, I'm not I'm not a black belt. I'm a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I have boxed for a, a little bit of time to be proficient. Translation, don't play with me. I don't want no problems. I don't want no, I don't want no problems. I really don't. But, you know, I feel like I'm closer to that side of what I saw in the beginning. So, like, it's kind of cool. Like, the same guy that mentored me, that was my first coach, um, he was uh, ringside, my cornerman for my very first fight, was still one of my good friends. Like, every time I go home, I see him. We, we, you know, trade, still trade ideas because he's an idea guy. He's a smart dude. Mm -hmm. And we commiserate with each other, catch up. But, like, I think that's the dopest thing about all this stuff. It's like a forged brotherhood through 
technically the violence or physicality that just doesn't go away. And mm. I think that was the cool thing about the journey through everything and how applicable it is to other parts of your life. That's what's up, man, because a lot of what you're saying right now reminds me of a conversation that you and I had like off air mm -hmm. about golf. Good segue. <laughs> so how much of that do you think not? I mean, we talked about golf being like a, a sport that a lot of people get into like as they get older. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I didn't pick it up till I was 25. That's not old. But to me, that's like it is kind of like older to pick up a brand new sport. Right. You know? Right. So how do you feel like that? The same lessons you learned like when you first started you know, like professional fighting, and mm -hmm. as you've gotten better at it, how do you feel like that compares to your experience with golf? Uh, I think that, like, and I appreciate it. I only had one pro fight, just full disclosure, um, but and I'm retired, but, like, I feel like my biggest lessons in life come from fighting. Like, everything that I've learned, how to deal with people, conflict resolution, um, you know, sometimes things don't go your way no matter how prepared you are for something. You know, all these old, uh, the blackisms, you know, like, ain't no shortcuts. <laughs> like, you know, all this stuff. It's so true, and it's like, it's, it's really in the source material. What you put into something is what you get out of it. Yeah. And when you deal with a physicality and you could physically lose or physically be beaten and those lessons play out, they're, I think they're forged differently. So when I, I look to try to transpose lessons, so like with golf, my lesson for golf is like trust the technique, you know, take the good advice and just practice and then stay within your confines. You don't have to go far out from what you are to be successful. You just have to do the stuff, put the yeah. work in, in the, in the right way. It's all about repetition. It's all yeah. about a game. Life is about reps. Exactly. You know, exactly. but yeah, I, I enjoy it, man. I didn't pick it up. You know, you talking 25. I didn't pick up golf till I was, um, what, 39. And I got a, I got a good friend, a good mentor. I'll stop doing that. Sorry, Ronnie. <laughs> he's like, driving him nuts. He's like, he's like teeth on a fucking chalk. That's your fault. You gave me the wrong chair. Man, I thought There's I was no better for next time. <laughs> but, um, and he just kept it simple and we had fun and I didn't take myself seriously. I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, if just know where you're at and know your levels and, exactly. and be okay with the level that you're at. And it, it, it really, my bad. It really helps having a mentor or somebody that really walks you through it. Yeah. Shout out to my boy Spence, man. He was. Hey. I mean, two things. One, as far as like the mentor aspect, like not even just in sports, just in anything. Like I've noticed a lot of like successful people really do have somebody that yeah. has guided them or shadowed them and helped them out through. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Like I was watching. Uh, shout out to Mike Lee. He um, he always be over there. Oh right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna I end up watching his uh he he did a podcast where him and his mentor were actually talking about you know what I mean how they met and how it got him involved in just being an entrepreneur and whatnot mm -hmm. and then looking back at it because I knew Mike from um what do you call from San Jose State days we ended up okay. taking like uh, we were in the same like dance class together oh right and seeing his growth and then I, uh, after watching that podcast and then putting kind of like a timeline on it I'm like damn that makes sense I do see how that elevated you to a whole different level yeah. faster than had you not had a mentor or whatever. Yeah. Even, I, like, bro, like, in the workplace, like, me, it's, like, you talk about entrepreneurship, and that's huge, like, but even, like, if you narrow it down to just, like, a regular nine-to-five, bro, Yeah. like, I work for a company where it's, like, I started out, like, lower level, and mm -hmm. I, thank God, like, I had a mentor in front of me that was willing to take me under his wing yeah. and, like, help me develop as like, a, as, like, a competent professional, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, like, I really don't know if I would have continued, like, working or, like, you know, going where I'm going without, like, his, like, guidance and support. Like, yeah. he was always shadowing me, bro, and that's huge. It's huge in every field in life. You talk about golf, yeah. you talk about entrepreneurship, you talk yeah. about anything, bro. Yeah. If you can just seek mentorship, 
it like yeah. nobody's ever too big to ask for help. I think that I think everything is networking and nepotism. Yeah. So I mean, from the mentor side, you have someone that's gonna even after all that, they have someone that's gonna put you in the like, hey man, take a look at this kid, man. He's doing good work. I've been kind of seeing him. He's been doing everything the right way. Yeah. You know, and it's the natural greasing of the wheels. It's just human nature, man. It, it helps so much. Yeah. Nah, yeah. Hey, and then also going uh, going back to what we were talking about golfing. What isn't golfing like one of those sports though? I feel like a lot of people don't pick it up till later in life. Like nowadays, there's a lot of people that are start that have their kids start young or kids right. start young. But for the most part, like I've never really like I've never really seen too many young golfers until like recent memory. I think it's the evolution. I think it's the. I mean, I'm just getting into it too. But I, it's funny. I remember even back in the day, I used to watch um, like wake up on Sunday and watch like. Turn on TV. Only thing I was on was golf or bowling back in the day. So I yeah, always yeah. chose golf. Yeah. I just watch it. It'd be background material, but it'd be interesting, you know. Yeah. But um, I think that like as you go on, I think there's a proliferation of you know golf being a skill that's that's attainable, usable in business, usable in inter, interpersonal yeah. you know relations, and it's a it's a nice off screen way of doing business or talking without getting things done without admitting things on the air basically Facts. It's like you know i mean i've been on the golf course with a lot of people and different syntaxes and a lot of things were talked about and a lot of things got resolved and we were able to move forward and i think that there's less of a stigma behind golf now like i can say in a black community that i golf and four out of five four out of the eight people golf yeah. too yeah. and no one's gonna talk shit yeah. <laughs> Everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, this this normal." Like it's, it's a normal thing, and there's yeah. no stigma around it anymore. Right. Whereas, like when I was like a teenager, I'm like, <laughs> "Golf's a pussy sport." Yeah, pussy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, don't want to hear you say a sport that you play in your slacks is a sport. <laughs> Boy, was I wrong, bro? Because it takes a mature, developed mind to kind yeah. of like pick it up and look at it. all the things you were saying. How it could be like a networking tool, yeah, uh, a tool to expand like your 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 social network per se. Like you don't really realize those benefits until you really get older and start yeah. to like slow down in life a little yeah. bit. Yeah. So I think that kind of goes back to your point why there's not many younger golfers, but I think you could still drill like the values of the game like in younger people yeah. because it really does mirror life. That's like yeah. a cliche, but it mirrors life. And it taught me like, I was like really immature before I started golfing, bro. Like emotionally, mentally, and it was huge for me. The combination of golf and this, to be, to be truly yeah. honest with you, helped me develop, but it's like, it goes back to like stepping out of your comfort zone and shit like that. That's so, super fair, yeah. I, yeah. Damn, I feel that. You was all, you was out there in Pebble Beach today, right? You, no, I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go tomorrow. I don't think I'll be able to do it. Yeah, just staying coming back. Yeah. circumstances, it's just not the play right now. So nah. I mean, I'll catch the next one. But I mean, like even that, like, like I'm not a good golfer. Like I'm okay. I, you know, I'm better than some of these old guys that have all the equipment and pay a thousand dollars for their golf clubs. Though <laughs> I'm trash. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but the cool thing is, I always love about golf is you're on that. Do you're on the most gorgeous golf course in the most nice areas, and and I can actually step on those situations. Both guide myself to a financial place that I can do it, and then two, I'm allowed to because some people weren't allowed to. Yeah, yeah. You know, both status wise and race wise. You know, yeah, so yeah. like it's almost a, like a celebration all the way around every time I get to go to a super nice course. Yeah, for man, me, it's a very peaceful experience too. Yeah. One thing I learned about golf too, bro, it's not as expensive as you think. Like once you get your it's equipment, not, yeah. Like, yeah, to just like go into a course or even just going and just hitting a couple, you know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. not that expensive at all. And to be honest with you, the first set of clubs I got, I got straight up offer up. I yeah. went right there. I got this dope bag and all the clubs I needed for like fifty bucks. 
So if you want something, just like anything else, if you want something bad enough, you can find means to do it. It's yeah. just the, I can't get the super nice stuff. Of course you can't. You're just starting. Yeah. And you yeah. just maybe step into that track. Facts, man. But um, just just to close out the golf conversation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's Like, honestly, bro. <laughs> right. Uh, I would give all the credit, like you said, how that like there's no stigma around like people like me, like us playing golf anymore. Yeah. Like I can show up to the course and I can just key 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 it with the old fifty old white dude, and he'd be like, "Yeah, go out there and hit him good." And it's like, yep. you know, it, it, it's a sport that brings people together, and I yeah. would give a lot of that credit to fucking Schoolboy Q, honestly, because really? before he started golfing, but like he honestly like helped make golf cool, and I think a lot of people got into it because of him. I'll be honest with you, bro. I didn't even know he golfs like that. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. Damn. Yeah, because I just I just look at the landscape around, you know, the sport. Um, like he's bringing immersion hip hop and golf together. Like people That's like huge. me, like that were laughing at golf. You know yeah. what I mean? Because I I like I can remember laughing at golf. Laughing at <laughs> yeah, golf. I mean, yeah, versus like yeah. It's That's something you do, and it's an attainable skill at this point. It is. You know, to have that in your back pocket. I mean, any skill that you can stack, then in the moments notice you can flex, in mm-hmm. the most respectful way. But like, just knowledge is the flex. Exactly. Like just ha- being able to not be uncomfortable and be handle that situation. Facts, facts. That's the one, man. See, it's crazy when I see like, uh, like dragging out this golf combo again. <laughs> um, but nah, like it's wild to see a lot of these athletes now, especially like basketball players, going into golf mm-hmm. and then dominating it after like you know. What I mean, once they get yeah. the technique, and it kind of gets to show you like, bro, if you are physically fit, it actually yeah. does help. Yeah. Golf. Basketball players already got like elite core strength, so that's definitely gonna help in golf. You know what facts. Man? Yeah. <laughs> Big but it's at the same way, me and Alex were talking about it off air about how, because I, I, you know, I mean, I, I was asking, I was like, yo, because he, he played baseball for a long time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just assumed that baseball, like, if you're a baseball player, it'd be easy. Right. But then it's the whole concept of, like, the swinging a bat versus way different. a golf club, and you spent all those years swinging a baseball bat. So yeah. it might, might actually be harder for you than versus somebody who doesn't have that type of muscle memory, you know? Yeah. That's I mean? it's, it's blank, a blank palette. Yeah. You know? it up. Speaking of palate, food, palate, stuff like that. Interesting. <laughs> That's the best. Look at that. Seg- These pro-level segues, yeah, Pro-level bro. segues out here, Wow. Man. I'm just taking notes. Man, so you guys have a day coming up. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Ronnie's talking about that we have an event. Um, what I do is with, um, I have two partners, uh, Evan and Alex. Shout out. Um, great, fantastic um, cooks, chefs, people, the whole nine yards all the way around. Um We've all been uh, industry professionals for quite some time. I've been in the industry for almost 20 years now. Um, between um, security, front of house, back of house, everything in the service industry. Um, so we decided to use all our combined energy and thought and passions, combine that with our passion for cannabis and do high-end medicated dinners. So with their help, uh, we do pop-up style. So we uh, change venues from time to time. So that way, if they're not 420 friendly, we can um, still operate without there being an issue. And then we have some varieties. We change spots. We change the menu. We run a no substitution um, menu for the night. That's all medicated. We sit down. We commiserate with everybody. We have people that are growers. We have people that are um, that own farms. You know, dab companies, uh, different things like that. Mixed in with regular people that barely smoke, and it's explained to them. There's an education piece within it. Um, there's a community within it because everyone enjoys cannabis as a collective or you wouldn't be there. Yeah. And it's a nice chance to, I find that in this day and age, we're so ingrained in, you know, just sitting here and just 
checking everything that's going on, making sure everything's fine. Like no one really sits back and talks to people. Yeah. There's no the intercommunicational skills that we need to be relatable to as people is starting to lack a little bit. Yep. And maybe this is an interesting way to get around back to that. But I find that if we have a chance to put our phones down, talk to somebody that's in your environment that kind of cares about and likes what you like, maybe that leads to the next conversation what else is common with everybody else. And that proliferates through your life. Yep. You take it home with you. And then we just have a good time. It's just a good vibe evening, man. Yeah, man. You know, and, and I'm pulling up for show. Pull yeah, up. Man. We love it. Love it, man. Just And, you know, it's like... It's like being at your, your cool uncle's house and his, uh, his wife just happens to be a chef. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and you're still chilling, you know, dressed down, come as you are. I like dressing up. That's just my vibe. Yeah, yeah. Everybody comes in sweats. Somebody came in a suit. And we're all having a good time. And we're all, from all walks of life, figuring out a way to have a good time and enjoy the moment. Yep. Of where we're at. That's and really what's as about. human beings, you said it, man. We're social creatures. We need that social interaction. Yeah. If nothing was learned from COVID, <laughs> Jesus Christ, and yeah. these quarantines and the duration of quarantines, people need commiseration. People need bars. People need the common touch. You know, people need their vices. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, man. So if you can roll that in together, and you know, we need we need each other, man. And it's I think everybody's done so much. Um, Soul searching in the last couple of years. People have done a lot of changing. You know, let's share these concepts. Let's share these ideas. Maybe the one little thing that was bothering you can unlock something in somebody else to help them out with what they're struggling with. That's facts, bro. You know, so, I mean, it's a good opportunity for a nice, chill group of people to interact and have a good time together. If you like positive vibes, come on through. Positive vibes, a little bit of cannabis. Hell yeah. And um, nobody fantastic, fantastic food. I mean, like amazing food. I mean, the the and, you know, I'm not just talking it. You know, I'm I'm about that. Actually, you know, I associate and align with really good people. But I mean, we're talking about just things like, you know, three day, three day age for kasha bread. You know, things like we're talking. John needs to know about that. Hey, Kasha bread. Mike, for Kasha. For Kasha bread. I'll be a vocabulary, son. Three you know, day age. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got, you know, Hickory Smoke, Australian Wagyu. We got, I mean, this is Wagyu, real, bro. Wagyu, Holy Swagyu. You know what I'm saying? Let's like, go. I need we, that. We really have a way of elevating the conversation, and everyone deserves good food, good conversation. Hell yeah. Good if you can do that with a little bit of weed mixed in, I think that's a win-win-win. There's no way you can have a bad time. There's no way, bro. Oh. <laughs> we only caught one body last time. We've adjusted everything. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, no, no. It was a really good time. Uh, everything is adjusted. We're getting better at what we do, and we look forward to future events, man. It's going to be good. I mean, good I'll, shit, say, I'll say, speaking for somebody that was, attend- like, that was in attendance from the last uh, dinner, mm-hmm. like, man, the food quality... Is perfect. Like the amount of like, you know what I mean. The amount of dosages in each meal. Because most people will be like, "Damn, I just about to be sitting there stuck." Right. Like shit, you might if you don't smoke or you don't know yourself when it comes to edibles. Yeah. But even then, again, it's just like you don't need to just kill everything, and you know what I mean. And the best part about it is that throughout the dinner, we're serving CBD refreshers too. That part, okay. So we have which was another fire, by the way. Which is all. Which is <laughs> another. It's like another flex. Yeah. So like you get another medium that's good, that's a high quality thing, but it also helps counteract. The effects. So you get to go home in a playful way where you're elevated mentally, you're stimulated conversationally, and you still wake up the next day. You're like, wow, that was kind of like, I got great sleep. I got great sleep when last time I went to it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure you did yep, too. Yep. But I mean, it's like, you kind of like wake up and you kind of like refresh. You're like, wow, 
I would kind of believe in humanity again, almost. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So it's it's a Love, good man, it's a good fun. vibe, man. Yeah, and we're just trying to capture that, bottle it up, and spread it to as many people as we can. Yeah, I think bro. the best part too was the fact that the main course didn't have anything in it. Like you know what I mean? You allow people to just, I right, here we gave you a bunch of like uh, medicated dishes for the first couple. Yeah. And then here's the main dish. Just enjoy this. Uh, yeah. Enjoy this plate. And like you said, like there's a whole educational aspect to it, right? So right. Like, the people will like learn what dosages like come with each type of food and like how much they are can take in based on. Right. You know, everybody knows themselves at the end of the day. All you know, anybody else could do is give you the information, and you do it what you will. Right, but I mean, like even better than the information, you also have the added bonus of you know, of sampling or of tasting or being at the thing. So now. You're, it's like, um, you know, respectfully, different medium, of course, but it's like getting a dose of, uh, like, acid therapy from a therapist, but, like, it's medical-grade acid. (laughs) You know, we know we're doing all that stuff, it's tested, everything like that, so when we dose, this is what it should be like when you're dosing instead of dosing recklessly and having a bad experience. This is what it could be if you did it the right way, and this is how you do it. You know, you learn by example almost. You know, so, it's it's, I think it's... I know it's going to be a great night. It's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of education piece, so we're looking forward to it. And it's this Tuesday, February 7th, too. Obviously we'll, Shameless plug. We'll yeah, include yeah. Uh, details. Uh, yeah, no, we'll for sure link. have your IG. You know, yeah, for sure, please. Yeah, yeah. 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 Don't even worry about it. Yeah. The content is coming, so this is going to be our second event. I'm really excited to, like, we have all our socials in order. Everything is lined up. But, you know, when you don't have all the content, it's kind of silly to launch fast. Yeah, yeah, we have this event. Last event, we have one next month. TBD, and then we'll have a lot of content for the website, so we'll have a lot of visuals. So I'm really looking forward to that. That's what's up, dog? Yeah. Keep building. Yeah, we building. We Keep out here building. building. Hell yeah, man. Shoulder bouncing, <laughs> building. And to anybody watching, absolutely. Keep building in whatever you're doing. No, no, that's everybody right. got something to build. Awesome. Everybody working on something. Yeah. Everybody growing, just like we said on the last one. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's cool to see that, man. Hey, before uh, before we wind this thing down, who's who, uh, like whose idea was it? Like, how did y'all even come up with that? Uh, I went to, um, it's kind of a, I'd like to say it's a collaborative thing that we talked about. I think we were, I think silently, because, so, I went to a festival in the summer in the summertime, you know, shout out Northern Nights, um, fantastic opportunity, did a lot of stuff, had fun, we'll leave it at that, um, and it kind of changed my perception a little bit about what was possible, and what yeah. I should be doing, and what makes me happy. So, I was thinking about, it's a Cannabis Forward um, Festival. So I got to meet a lot of people and have a lot of ideas. And I wanted to do something in the industry that was a little bit different, but I, you know, kind of carved out my own lane. And I realized that with my experience in the service industry, my connections, maybe it could be via food and edibles. So I had talked to, I wanted to find someone that was legitimately credible, but hasn't gotten a lot of shine because either they're coming up or anything like that. That was the thought. So I I work at a good restaurant. Um, I talked to the sous chef. And it turned out that, you know, serendipitously, it's something that he had been working on. They have a medicated waffle company. Mm-hmm. Um, their company is called Fuegos. And they also have that. So they've always wanted to do more. So I thought it would be a perfect marriage if I can format it in a way that they can provide all the food they've ever wanted to medicate or make or whatever. We do a no substitution format. And then we kind of just do it pop-up style so we wouldn't be stuck with the overhead. Mm-hmm. And at least that way we could do it. Yeah. You know, and then they were so jazzed and they were so knowledgeable. It just was like a perfect, like, perfect. timing point. Everyone was tired of it at the same time. Everybody was interested at the same time. So I think we just 
just jump right on it and everything just kind of just started walking it's like it's it grew legs and just started That's walking up, almost bro. by itself you know so yeah. we just just gotta stay dedicated to the process so yeah Hell it's yeah. kind of cool you know Hell yeah, bro. The marathon continues, brother. The marathon. It's the only thing that is the, it's the, it's the fight. It's the answering the bell every day. Yeah. You know, it gets Consistency you, is key, bro. Yeah, man. And it's, it keeps you uh, engaged in life. Yeah. You know, if sure, you don't have sure. any mountains to climb or you don't have anything to like, then what's the point? Yeah. And it just, yeah, everything starts to get old after a while. Yeah. Shit, mountain to climb. That, that, <laughs> speaking of that. <laughs> you should always be in uncomfortable or like slightly overwhelming situations. That's how you know you're doing something right. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. You're absolutely right. It has to be. It has to be a little bit element of danger. Yep, yeah, a little you know? uncomfortable at all times. Yeah, but but very hopeful, very happy, and uh, we just keep growing, man. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's gonna be beautiful to see where that ends up this year. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a growth year, man. I think a lot of people are in a place in their life, regardless of age or their situation, where there's something that that's triggered them. Be like, I'm done with this. I want to do better. I want to progress. I think, like you and said, COVID now. was a driving factor in that. Like society in general, like a lot of people are on a more positive like you know mindset which is good we need that yeah need more of that absolutely but i'm praying for everybody to win bro dude why not there's enough lane for everybody man yeah. like listen there's there's all these highways and all these you know other metaphors but like your victories do not do anything but motivate me you yeah. know in any way in general like it shouldn't it shouldn't be like exactly that. nah that's what's up hey bro I definitely appreciate you uh, coming on. I feel like this was a long time. Absolutely. Fantastic, man. Thank you, man. Thank you We need, We much, definitely guys. need you back, bro. No, you got you got the podcast good. voice for sure. For sure. Hey, I mean, even outside easy. of that, we got a lot of stories to even dive into and talk yeah. about yeah. other stuff. But, nah, for sure, really appreciate you coming in. No, Absolutely. thanks for having me. This is fantastic, man. I appreciate it. Hell yeah. Of course, man. Of course. You family now, bro. Hey, go, dude. I'm stuck. I'm the dude on the couch now. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, so another one in the books. Another My one. dude. Yep, we gonna have all of Don's info as far as the dinner, his socials, all that. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be in the link, all that. But uh, until next time, it's your boy Ronnie, and I'm Waleed, the other side of the coin, and we are signing out this motherfucker.